uh, the conversation around schooling, what should happen, continues to be a big one. The Institute for Healing of Memories has raised their concerns about children who are sitting at home uh, due to COVID-19. They're worried that these children may be exposed to abuse, especially those who've experienced violence. Fatima Swartz is the Director for Programs at the Institute for Healing of Memories. Good morning, Fatima, and thank you so much for your time. Morning. Let's talk about. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the concerns that you've raised as part of uh, your latest call, and what exactly you want to see happen here. Hmm. Yes. Um, I think maybe just uh, before I say something to that is to say that we are not opposed uh, in opposition to the closing of schools, right? But we are saying that once that decision has been made... Fatima, Fatima, you are sounding like you're quite far away from your phone. I don't know if oh, you're I'm on speaker. Sure. Maybe if you're able to change that for us so that I can hear you much clearer. Okay, is that better? N- not really, but just uh, go on. Um, so, so what we are concerned about is that we have not put anything in place for the for children who become quite vulnerable when they are at home due to the circumstances of where they live and what they might be exposed um, and some of the things that we know that has been happening is the fact that um, because of the material conditions under which people live um, the uh, poverty and all of this, that there's a lot of strain on people who are taking care, the caregivers of children and parents and so on. And sometimes uh, they take out these frustrations on their children. Um, so children are more vulnerable to, to corporal punishment. They are more vulnerable to being verbally abused. Um, and, and then, of course, also that they are more vulnerable generally Hello? I'm still here, Fatima. Okay. Um, and so they're also very vulnerable to neglect, um, which has been an ongoing problem that we have in our community. At the same time, we've also seen that in, in, in from our communities that uh, parents go and work and then leave their children in, in the care of an older child or a cousin or so on, where all kinds of abuse would take place bullying of the younger child and things like that and so on. Mm-hmm. So we haven't put in place, while we are taking care of the physical well-being of children, not exposing them to COVID-19, we haven't given attention to the emotional and the psychological um, fallout from this and how we can mitigate these, um, these many issues uh, that, that young people would be facing. Now, schools would generally be a good place to provide support, at least in some of those areas. Very often, teachers would be the first to realize when a child is perhaps not behaving in the way that they used to. Um, what is it that parents can do during this time to uh, to offer that support to children? Yes, yes. I think the one thing, the one important thing is that children, that parents need to have conversations with their children about what is happening and why they're at home. And it needs to be uh, honest, frank uh, conversations about death, the impact of it. It is natural. It happens. It's a consequence of life without making, I mean, I've heard somebody say uh, to, a, to a child, don't touch that, you're going to die. 
you know, which means that we are we, we are instilling more fear in children to become more fearful. So it's very important for, for for parents to be able to to skill themselves in how they can have conversations with their children about life and death, how they can assist their children uh, with with grieving, because a lot of the children might have le- um, have experienced the loss of of uncles, beloved grannies, and so on, you know, even um, their own parents. So there must be adults around that would be able to support the children to go through these processes. Now, as you were saying, lots of the time also during this period, unfortunately, lots of the referral services that children would have had access to has been terminated or is on a very low key down. And so there's lots of this far less access to psychosocial support that children might have had. The other thing is, is that, um, you know, lots of the time it is uh, teachers and other caregivers that would pick up when children have been sexually abused because parents don't necessarily look out for it in their children because they trust the, the, the family members, the boyfriends, and so forth and so on. So we need to ask parents to... To, to bite the bullet and to just make themselves aware of what are the signs that they need to look for if if their children are being um, sexually abused. And it could, again, it could be because these children are in close proximities, mm. they're standing in rooms if they're not outside, and so all kinds of experimentation is taking place, all kinds of exploration is taking place, which the children don't, don't necessarily all understand the full ramifications of. Mm. So parents and those caregivers need to be aware to look out for the signs and they need to educate themselves through it. But also I think that service providers and organizations and even teachers, where they have access to, to parents via WhatsApp or in any other ways, need to assist them to equip people with that. But I also think that our... Um, like the radios, our communication channels and TVs should be providing programs at this point in time mm, that mm. actually focuses on um, how you can give psychosocial support for your children in terms of the kind of conversation, the kind of language, the kind of signs that we have to look um, for that the children are in, 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 in space, you know? Mm, because we mm. just assume that they're not being affected. Of course they are being affected. They're listening to what their parents are talking, you know. Um, and then, of course, for, because there are now fewer people that is looking out for the kids, as you mentioned, when they go to the school, if one teacher doesn't pick it up, maybe another teacher will pick it up, you mm-hmm. know, because they're exposed to many more adults and, and aftercare or, or whatever. There's more people looking out for the children. So uh, parents will actually have to do that. And, and I'm saying this understanding that the parents themselves are obviously going through their own issues and so on. And so it's sometimes difficult for them to be there for the children in the way they would want to be. 
Are there um, ways? Are there ways, Fatima, of identifying anxiety in in young children? Because you know, like you're saying, they they they're having to listen to these conversations. They're watching sometimes on TV what is happening, and if 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 nobody's taking the time out to really explain what is happening, that in itself could have uh, some consequences. Yes, and I think the one thing is for parents to look out for behavioural change, right? Um, now, when they look at the changes that, that how kids would usually act and how changes are happening, they might assign it just to the fact that, oh, they are cooped up. But they do not ask them, why are you doing this? Or, or actually just asking them, are you, are you scared? You know? So... Uh, Firstly, I think you have to look at sleeping patterns that might change, the um, the the behavioural change in terms of acting out, um, what what some people who talk about uh, attention seeking. It's not attention seeking; it's a cry for help. So then you need to sit and you need to talk, and so you have to create ways in which you can just gather information from the from the children in terms of where they are at and you need to be creative in different techniques. And the one way in which to do that is to do activities with him. If you're busy making food, ask him to come and do things and you just have a casual conversation around how they are feeling and what is happening. Um, and then the other thing is also to, it is not natural for children to sleep a lot, right? Because for young children, um, I, I know we've got this system where we want the children to sleep all the time. <laughs> Some places you go there, they're forever sleeping. <laughs> um, they, 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 they are curious. They want to explore. If they're mm-hmm. tired, they will go and sleep. But depression, sleeping is also a sign of dep- depression. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in adults as well as in children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have to look out the signs of self-harm. You know, uh, we... Uh, they they bite their fingers, you know, their nails and on their skin or how they treat their pets if they do have pets around, where they take out anger, you know, or, or they're scared. Um, um, and look at the eating habits as well. And it's very important that we look at eating habits because for many adults, you know, uh, food becomes a comfort zone. Um, and so we also project that onto the children. Um, we all are complaining about how we have um, picked up weight and all that kind of stuff. Um, for other children, it's losing because they lose their appetite. They, they're fearful. Um, and and um, uh, so I think those are some of the small things that, that people can. But I'm thinking that communities, uh, community leaders, organizations, even like ourselves, need to engage and where it is possible in communities, which some of our youth facilitators are doing, is they now engaging with just the kids in this street, mm. um, trying to teach them about COVID protocols and why it is important, but also organizing activities where they know that parents are, have to go and work and where the eldest child looking at their, after younger children mm. is as young as 12 and 10. This is the reality with what we're sitting with. People do not have uh, the capacity to employ somebody to come and look after the children when they themselves are going to some other house to go and look after mm, children. Mm, you know? Mm, um, mm. And we do have to, and I think it's 
this cannot be the responsibility of the parents alone. It has to be the responsibility of the community. It has to be the responsibility of all adults that need to take care of children in our country. And and further, you know, of of course, so, of course, pa- parents speaking to their children, right, about um, yeah. the situation and maybe also being able to identify if something is wrong. That's just the the first step of the process. What yeah. do parents who feel that they just they simply don't have the tools to to support their children during this time? What can they do? Yeah. I think it is important that they actually. Uh, connect up with social services, with um, with the clinics in the communities, whereas um, they have uh, resources that they could pass on, you know, and also to link up with other organizations. There's the Children's Resource Center. If I just think about in Cape Town, there's Molo Songololo. There's lots of organizations also that focuses on children and children's wealth is to link up with them and to get the resources. But I think for broader impact, actually, we need to have a communication strategy which is easily accessible for people where they don't have to go out of their houses. And that is about radio, you know, community radios, television series and things like that and so on. Um, and and the, the, the unfortunate thing is that we only have entertainment on the TV for the children. We don't have this kind of um, information that is being put out. Um, so if, for instance, there is a situation where people can know that they can listen from 12 to 1, and it will be about how to support your child, and you bring in psychologists and social workers to talk about that, um, to look through things like that, that would be very helpful, I think, at this point in time, because you need mass education, you know? And already our um, service providers from government side is under stress. If you look at school psychologists, you have like one uh, school psychologist that covers like say 40,000 children. You know, it's, it's, before COVID it was already a, a disaster. Now it's even more so. And I mean, we don't know what the impact of this is going to be, you know, going forward further. But I think the other thing also that needs to happen is that there needs to be some corporal, uh, sorry, um, there needs to be some uh, uh, response from corporate corporates in terms of how they can support their workers um, and making that information available, getting people into the companies to come and talk to their workers, to come and give them some advice, practical advice, so that there needs to be an interaction because the, the parents need to ask the questions, you know? Um, and, and so there needs to be also a two-way conversation and so on. So I think from corporate side, they should also be in, inviting um, service providers or inviting um, social services, uh, the, the medical uh, uh, personnel in to be able to engage with, with places where people are, are working so that they can skill the, the workers to go back and to go engage with their children. It's such important points that you're raising. Fatima Swartz is the Director for Programs at the Institute for Healing of Memories. Fatima, just before I let you go, is there anything else that you uh, wanted to speak about? Yes, I think what uh, I, I... I think this is a good opportunity for us 
you know, to start instilling good be, uh, habits. I don't know what to call it habits, but way of life in terms of how we live within the world, you know, because we are spending time with, 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 with children, whether it is uh, caregivers, parents, um, you know, the extended family. So this is an important part in terms of uh, being able to have conversations, but also to do things together, you know. Um, and I think it's a time for creativity. It's a time that we need to un- unlock creativity. And it also is a time for, for for everybody to get engaged in the education of our children. Because education is not just what happens in the classroom. It is what young people are exposed to every day because, you know, um, Children uh, is more likely to do what we do in terms of instead of doing what we say, right? Um, and so we need to model that kind of behavior for them. So I think it's important. And in certain communities, you know, they are doing food gardening and they are involving their young children. You know, they are doing murals in the street, cleanup campaigns. There are small things that way you can still uh, maintain uh, COVID protocols and, in fact, an opportunity for them to understand that and do things which are very practical in changing their own small little environment um, to making it healthy for them and to making it more creative for where they can can be. I think the, the I can't stress enough that children need to be stimulated for their mental health and for their emotional health in different kinds of ways. And it would be a tragedy, it is a tragedy, actually, that most of the children are just being parked in front of televisions or given a phone and they have to keep themselves occupied. This is a time for us to really engage and to reignite this thing where we are actually in conversation with our children and working um, with them in real ways, um, and where possible. I mean, we know that we've got limited resources. And it's unfortunate that the places where the kids need to be right now, like the library, is closed. So we need to find ways of how we can keep libraries open um, or at least get books to young children or have small little reading groups um, where children can be engaged and where they can learn and continue to learn. because. Part of education is part of emotional and psychological well-being, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, and learning is not just in the classroom, as I said. It is about exploring. All right. So we need to create that kind of opportunity for young mm. children Fatima to, to explore. Let's leave it there for this morning. Okay. She is the Director okay. for Programs at the Institute for Healing of Memory. So many different things that uh, she's spoken about and ideas. And, you know, what's important, what she's saying about being able to keep 